Welcome to Beth Takoon and our study of Yehoshua, Joshua. I'm Tim Pell and I'm glad you're here. This week we'll finally be in chapter 3, and I say finally because you'll see in a moment, and what a chapter it is. Here we are at long last, the moment we've all been waiting for, Israel crosses the Jordan. Finally! This is a short chapter, but it is chock full of meaning. So before we read through this chapter, let's review what we've learned about the other important crossing, the crossing of the Red Sea. This will be one half of the menorah, and the Jordan crossing will be the other half. Found in Exodus 14, here are the important bits. Number one, the enemy was behind Israel, chasing. Number two, the pillar of cloud and fire moves to the rear of Israel. Number three, in Exodus 14, verse 18, it says, Egypt will know that I am the Lord. Number four, in verse 13, stand still and behold the salvation, Yeshua, of the Lord. Number five, in verse 14, the Lord will make war for you. Number six, Israel feared Egypt. Number seven, their possessions include the Ark of Joseph's bones. Number eight, the water was transformed into walls on either side of them. And number nine, they were led by Moses. So let me repeat those if you were writing these down. Number one, the enemy was behind. Number two, the pillar of cloud and fire moves to the rear of Israel. Number three, in Exodus 14, verse 18, it states, Egypt will know that I am the Lord. Number four, in verse 13, stand still and behold the salvation, the Yeshua of the Lord. Number five, in verse 14, the Lord will make war for you. Number six, Israel feared Egypt. Number seven, their possessions include the Ark of Joseph's bones. Number eight, the water were walls on either side of them. And number nine, they were led by Moses. All right. So keeping those things in mind, let's read through Joshua chapter three together. <clears throat> Joshua arose early in the morning and they journeyed from Shittim and arrived at the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel. And they lodged there before they crossed. It was at the end of three days that the marshals circulated in the midst of the camp. They commanded the people, saying, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of Adonai, your God, and the Kohanim, the Levites, carrying it, then you shall move from your place and follow it. But there shall be a distance between yourselves and it, a measure of two thousand cubits. Do not approach closer to it, so that you may know the way in which you should go. For you have not passed this way yesterday or before yesterday. Joshua said to the people, Prepare yourselves, for tomorrow Adonai will do wonders in your midst. Joshua then spoke to the Kohanim, saying, Carry the Ark of the Covenant and pass before the people. So they carried the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. Adonai said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel. 
that they may know that just as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. You shall command the Kohanim, bearers of the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you come to the edge of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. Joshua said to the children of Israel, Come here, and hear the words of Adonai your God. Joshua said, Through this you will know that the living God is in your midst, and he will surely drive away from before you the Canaanite, and the Hittite, and the Hivite, and the Perizzite, and the Girgashite, and the Amorite, and the Jebusite. Behold, the Ark of the Covenant of the Master of all the earth is passing before you in the Jordan. Now take for yourselves twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one man for each tribe. It shall happen, just as the soles of the feet of the Kohanim, the bearers of the Ark of Adonai, master of the entire earth, rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan will be cut off, the waters that descend from upstream, and they will stand as one column. It happened when the people moved from their tents to cross the Jordan, and the Kohanim, the bearers of the Ark of the Covenant, were in front of the people. When the bearers of the Ark arrived at the Jordan, and the feet of the Kohanim, the bearers of the Ark, were immersed in the edge of the water, and the Jordan was overflowing all its banks all the days of the harvest season, the waters descending from upstream stood still, and they rose up in one column, very far from Adam, the city that is near Zarathon. And the water that descends to the sea of the plain, the Dead Sea, ceased and was cut off. And the people crossed opposite Jericho. The Kohanim, the bearers of the Ark of the Covenant of Adonai, stood firmly on dry land in the middle of the Jordan, all Israel crossing on dry land until the entire nation finished crossing the Jordan. All right. So what I'd like to do, I'd like to go through this a verse at a time and pick out some of the main points that really spoke to me this week as I studied, uh, and hopefully you'll learn something as well. Verse 1. Then Joshua rose up early in the morning, and he and all B'nai Israel set out from Shittim and came to the Jordan. They lodged there before crossing over. First thing we see at the beginning here is that Joshua rose up early in the morning. Now, why is that important? Uh, it isn't important uh, except to say that rising up early in the morning uh, is something that indicates he spent time in prayer and worship. The morning is a time of revelation, it's a time of prayer. Um, so we know that he started off uh, the day in prayer. Uh, they lodged there before crossing over. So they're, they're on their way to the promised land. Why in the world would they stop in their tracks and lodge and set up their tents? Uh, that's, that's quite a process, I'm sure. Uh, why would they do that? Well, at the time... Uh, especially during this season of the year, the spring harvest, the Jordan was probably over 100 feet wide and more than 10 feet deep. So this is a substantial body of water, uh, not something that can simply be crossed over easily um, or even safely. We here in uh, Northeast Ohio, we're familiar with the Cuyahoga River and where the Cuyahoga River is around us. It's something that we kayak down and we can swim across and get get uh, get through pretty safely, but not so the Jordan, not at that place opposite Jericho, and not during that time of year. Um, 
There's a quote from a book about the Jordan uh, that I found that says, in 1854, an expert swimmer was unable to make it across the river near Jericho because the river was too wide and the current too strong. So even someone, a professional swimmer, couldn't make it safely across the Jericho at that, or across the Jordan at that place near, near Jericho. That's significant. So they get to the Jordan and they have to wait. They have to wait to understand what the next step is. So they're lodged there. Okay, moving, moving on, chapter, or less, uh, sorry, verse two. Now it came about after three days that the officials went through the camp. Three days, three days. Uh, three days is an important time frame. Uh, if you think back to all the times in Scripture where we see three days, uh, three years, three of anything, we can uh, we can see an association there with the lead up to Revelation. Something is going to happen at the end of that three days, uh, at the end of three years, um, pictured in three objects. We know that something is going to be revealed. So this three days is not simply a measure of time. It's to tell us something. Something's about to happen. Um, verse 3, And they charged the people, saying, the, uh, the uh, marshals, the officials, charged the people, saying, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of Adonai your God and the Levitical Kohanim carrying it, then you must set out from your place and follow it. So here's, here's something that's important. The Ark of the Covenant contains what? Contains the Torah. It contains the instrument that defines righteousness. Um, also, on top of the Ark is the place in which God's presence uh, sits. So what we see pictured in the Ark uh, is the, instruction, the, the instrument that defines righteousness and God's presence. His instruction and his presence, they're, they're tied together. And not only that, but the, the instrument, uh, the, um, the instruction contained within the ark is contained within this structure of, that's made of acacia wood. Where did they just come from? They came from Shittim, the acacia grove. Uh, there's a significance there. There's a connection there um, that we that, that the Israelites had to make this container for the instruction uh, on which God's presence would sit is also uh, a beautiful picture as well. Um, basically, that um, God's instruction is within us. We make a container for God's instruction, and when we do that faithfully, God's presence dwells in our midst. So this is uh, what is going to be ahead of the Israelites as they cross over. Verse 4. Yet keep a distance between you and it of about 2,000 cubits by measure. Don't come near it, so you may know the way by which you should go, for you haven't traveled this way before. In other words, respect the ark. Show deference to it. Don't get too close to it. Um, interestingly, 2,000 cubits is about a, a little bit over a half a mile. So if you think about that, here's the Ark of the Covenant. There's, there, there's a, a hundred, 100 feet across about 
uh, to get to the other side of the Jordan. The Ark and the Kohanim are going to go ahead of them, but they can't get any closer than a half a mile. So what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that here in just a minute, a little farther down. But I thought that was interesting, um, at least to help us picture. Because if you picture, if you do a Google search for, for the crossing of the Jordan, you'll see in the frame the water, the Kohanim, and the Ark, and the people crossing over, like all within 20 feet of each other, right? But that, that's not an accurate picture. Uh, if this is if this is true, and of course we know this is true here, two thousand cubits, you are not to get any closer than that. Moving on, uh, verse five. Then Joshua told the people, "Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow Adonai will do wonders in your midst." The God of the universe, your beloved, is about to do something powerful for you. Uh, make yourselves do the best you can to make yourself worthy of the wonders that are soon to come. This is something we can relate to in, in relationships. Uh, when we're about to see someone we love, we're, we're not just going to throw on a T-shirt and flip-flops and, and uh, um, you know, not take a shower, right? We're going to get cleaned up. We're going to present ourselves um, because we would like to embrace that person and we don't want it to be an uncomfortable experience for them. We don't want to stink, Right. So we, we present ourselves, we, we make ourselves as best we can, as best we can, sanctified, um, so that we're worthy of the wonder uh, that's about to take place. Verse 6, Joshua spoke to the Kohanim, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over ahead of the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went ahead of the people. Again, the Ark that contains the instrument that defines righteousness and the place upon which God's presence sits is what leads them. It goes ahead. Verse 7. Now Adonai said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so they may know that just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. The word here for exalt, gadlecha, uh, gadlecha, uh, means to magnify, right? Uh, we, we say this word during our Torah service, Gadlu Adonai Iti Ramama Shamo Yagdav. Magnify uh, Adonai with me and let us exalt his name together. Gadlu. This is Gadlacha. I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel. I think this verse is related in, in a way to Moses' failure the one that kept him from entering the land. If you remember, what Moses failed to do but when he struck the rock instead of speaking to it is that he failed to treat God as holy in the eyes of Israel. So you could say here that God is doing for Joshua what Moses failed to do for God, in a way. Moses was to treat him as holy, but God here is choosing to exalt and magnify Joshua and both of these were to be done in the eyes of Israel. So I think that there's kind of a, a healing or a, a fixing going on here in this verse. And again, this is all done with water, right? Moses struck the rock that brought forth water. Joshua is going to be exalted in this whole episode involving water. So there's some connection there. Verse 8, You are to command the Kohanim who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant, saying, 
when you reach the edge of the waters of the Jordan, you are to stand still in the Jordan. Uh, in other words, when you get to the edge, keep going. Don't stop. Verse 9. So Joshua said to Bnei Yisrael, Come here and listen to the words of Adonai your God. So this lines up with one of our menorah pattern items. Come here and listen to the words of Adonai your God. We'll, we'll, we'll review both of those here in a moment, but mark that, that that is one of the items uh, that then is lined up. Verse 10, Joshua said, By this you will know that the living God is among you, and that he will certainly drive out from you, from before you, the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Hivite, the Perizzite, the Girgashite, the Amorite, and the Jebusite. Um, here again is another uh, another point that lines up with our menorah pattern from the Red Sea. And it says here that the, the living God is among you. Um, literally, the, the Hebrew is El Kai, God life, uh, life God, the God of life. Um, that, that's an important distinction to be made, especially at that time and in that culture and society. Also, something interesting here, there are seven nations listed. Seven. Seven, we know, is the number of uh, completion and is uh, of holy purpose, right? So there is a, uh, though there may have been, I don't know, were, were there more nations there? Do you, do you know off the top of your head, David? Surely, yeah, there were surely more than seven, but that there were seven listed, uh, that is, that communicates enough, that, that, that it, would be, it would be a complete uh, and, a, and a holy um, conquering. Verse 11, Behold, the Ark of the Covenant of the Sovereign of all the earth is advancing before you into the Jordan. I want to pause here and mention something important about the, the name of the river, the Yarden. Yarden means a descending, uh, a going down, um, and it is associated with humility. So we can see here the Ark of the Covenant, the Word, the written Word, and God's presence among us goes into this place, descends down into this place, um, dot, dot, dot. And we'll, we'll, we'll finish that statement a little later. But here is pictured something about humility, uh, uh, not only of us, but of, of God, of what it is he's doing for us. It's a beautiful picture. So that, that's something to, to remember about the Jordan, the Yarden. It is about humility, about a descending, about a going down. Verse 12. So now take for yourselves 12 men out of the tribes of Israel, one man for each tribe. Let us remember that 12 is associated with the kingdom. It's associated with, with building. Uh, we see this all throughout Revelation. Um, we see it in reference to the 12 tribes. This is a nation, the, the kingdom, the, the 12 apostles, all, all of this. It's all pointing toward the kingdom, which Yeshua is helping to bring us into. Verse 13. It will come to pass when the soles of the feet of the Kohanim, who are carrying the Ark of Adonai, sovereign of all the earth, rest in the waters of the Jordan. The Jordan's waters will be cut off. The waters coming downstream will stand up in one column. 
Um, so this is interesting. Um, just just picture it, right? So the, there's a, there's this river, and in order for Israel to cross over it, the water has to be stopped, um, so that the 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 water can go down, flow away. The the mud underneath becomes dry, uh, which is also kind of a picture of the the water that we see and the water that we don't is being cleared away for us to move through. Water, of course, being associated with life and death, of transformation, of of a of a maturing, of, of coming from one state to the next. So the water that you see and the water you don't see is is taken away. Um, but the the water is is literally a column, which if you picture it, the water coming from upstream is still going to come, right? But it's going to then come into a, co- a column shape and p- basically just go straight up, if you can picture that. So the water comes and it starts to go straight up. So the water, I would imagine, is still flowing, but it's just flowing up and waiting and f- until the Israelites cross. The water downstream just keeps going and empties into... Um, the, the sea. So that's how this, this large area is then created over which Israel can pass. Verse 14, so it came to pass when the people set out from their tents to cross over the Jordan, the Kohanim were carrying the Ark of the Covenant ahead of the people. This is the third instance where ahead of the people is used. Uh, and it's used three times in this passage as well. Um, ahead of the people. So three times. That's interesting. Verse 15. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the harvest season, but as soon as those who were carrying the ark came into the Jordan and the feet of the Kohanim carrying the ark dipped in the edge of the water, again going back to how, how, how strong of a river this was at this time. Um, the water was overflowing, so it was was very wide, very deep, and it was a raging river. Um, this was no small trickle of a stream. Verse 16. The waters which were flowing down from above stood and rose up in one column, a great distance away at Adam, the town next to Zarathon. What was flowing down to the Sea of the Arabah, the Salt Sea, was completely cut off, so the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Okay, I want you to picture something here. So it de- depending on the translation you have, it'll say one of two things about Adam. That the water rose in, a, in one column or in a heap or uh, maybe a pile, I think some say, um, a great distance from Adam or a great distance away at Adam. Those are two very different things. One is stating that this occurred at Adam, so way upriver. The other is stating that it was a great distance from that place way upriver. So which is it? Well, I think it is the former. In other words, I think that this, this miraculous occurrence of this water forming a pillar happened well out of sight of the Israelites. They didn't see it happen. It happened way upriver, miles and miles away at Adam. This then helps to make sense of, of, of something, uh, I believe. 
Earlier on, it said that the Israelites were to keep a distance from the Ark and the Kohanim. 2,000 cubits, in fact, which equals a little bit over a half a mile. So here we have a river that's 100 feet wide, give or take. 100 feet wide. The Ark and the Kohanim enter through and they stand in the center. The water has been stopped miles upstream. So on either side now of the Ark, there is plenty of space, a half a mile. So there's a whole mile there, at least a mile and a quarter probably. The Ark is right in the middle, a mile and a quarter of nothing. And then on either side, the Israelites can pass over. This wasn't included in the uh, menorah pattern here, but we can, we can just go ahead and add it, just because I had the thought right before we recorded. When we picture the crossing of the Red Sea, we see the Israelites going through in the center, in, we could say, single file or something, just something, it was, it was tight, it was tight and it was going through. And on either side were walls of water. Here, it's very different, but still uses the same two or you could say three elements. There is something in the center. Before it was the Israelites. Now, it is the Ark of the Covenant that is right in the middle. And on either side are walls of people going across and entering into the land. What the significance is of that, I'm not sure. But I think that it's pretty cool that these two things mirror each other in that way. Again, this is because we know that the ark needed to be steered clear of at least a, a, a half a mile in, in um, what is that, radius. And that the river was stopped way, way, way upstream, out of sight. They didn't see that happening. So there was plenty of dry ground now to go across. And so they could spread out and go across into the land. So finally in verse 17, yet the Kohanim carrying the Ark of the Covenant of Adonai stood firmly on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel crossed over on dry ground until the entire nation had finished crossing over the Jordan. All right. So let's go back to our Red Sea crossing points and uh, finish the other half of the menorah here. The crossing of the Red Sea in Exodus 14, the enemy was behind. Where is the enemy here in this instance? The enemy is ahead. Number two, the crossing of the Red Sea, the pillars of cloud and fire moved to the rear. This was, this was the presence of God moved to the rear. Here, the crossing of the Jordan, the Ark of the Covenant moves where? To the front. It goes before. Number three, in Exodus 14, verse 18, we read that Egypt will know that I am the Lord. Egypt will know. At the crossing of the Jordan, it says that you, Israel, will know that the living God el is in your midst. Number four, verse 13 of Exodus 14 states, Stand still and behold the salvation, the Yeshua of the Lord. 
at the crossing of the Jordan. Don't stand still, but come here and hear the words of the Lord. Stand still and behold, so see, come here and listen and hear the words. Number five, in Exodus 14, verse 14, it says, The Lord will make war for you at the crossing of the Jordan. He will chase out the Canaanites, etc., Hittites, etc. Point number six, the crossing of the Red Sea. Israel feared Egypt. But here at the crossing of the Jordan, Canaan feared Israel. Point number seven, the possessions of Israel at the crossing of the Red Sea were the Ark of Joseph's bones. But now at the crossing of the Jordan, they add to that the Ark of the Covenant, the priesthood, the tabernacle, and the Torah. Number eight, at the crossing of the Red Sea, the water was walls. And the people went between it. Here, the water is a column, but the ark goes between the people. Finally, point number nine, at the crossing of the Red Sea, they were led there by Moses. And at the crossing of the Jordan, we see, of course, that they are led there by Joshua who is a picture of Yeshua. So, Israel crossed over. The word, the instrument that defines righteousness, upon which God's presence sits in humility, went before them, holding back the river until all was accomplished and all were in the land. The people were sanctified. They knew the Lord was in their midst. And they heard the words of the Lord. Like Israel, we, the disciples of Yeshua, have also crossed over, not into the land, but into the kingdom. Yeshua, the living word, and God dwelling among us in humility, went before us, remaining in death for three days until all was accomplished and all could enter in. We know Adonai is in our midst. For he has placed his spirit within us and placed his word on our hearts. Joshua 3 is a beautiful chapter, full of meaning, and it pictures our king so, so well. I hope this has blessed you and that you may have learned something. I know I have uh, this week in studying it. So thank you very much for watching, and may he make us all into the people he wants us to be. Shalom.